When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Folks, today's show I have been looking forward to for quite a while. I'll tell you why. We all have that experience in our life. When we're talking about paranormal experiences, it's the experience that changes the way we think about life and death. The experience that changes the way we think about paranormal investigating and the experience that changes our lives in general. Our guest today is a man that you've probably seen on television, is a man that you've probably thought, well, I wonder what changed his world and changed his life. He actually has a book out there right now, actually is coming out soon, it's, it's, it'll be out there soon enough, it'll come out on September 8th, that will tell you exactly what changed his life, and I'll tell you, it is a fascinating book, folks, that will tell you how his life changed. It's called The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case. And I'll tell you who this investigator is. It's Daryl Marson. He is the co-lead investigator on A&E's Ghost Hunters. He has led more than, and you may ask, well, where can I see that A&E's Ghost Hunters? It's on Disney Plus right now. He has led more than 400 paranormal investigations of private homes and historical locations, such as the House of Wills. He hosts the popular podcast, The American Ghost Hunter Show, and co-owns the website Paranormal Warehouse, which reports on paranormal news. You can visit him online at paranormalwarehouse.com. Let's welcome in to Darkness Radio, Daryl Marston. Hi, Daryl. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, doing well. Doing well. I got to tell you, my friend, I, boy, was I chilled by this book. I was enthralled with this book. I I picked up this book. I didn't put it back down. I, I, do, I rarely go through a book in one shot. And, and read it from beginning to, to end, cover to cover. Normally, I take a break from it. I walk away from it. I come back to it. I digest it a little bit. I didn't do that with this book. I went from beginning to end because I couldn't put it down. And, and I think that's because there is a relatability to this. And we all have that experience. We have that one experience that moves us. Tell me, first of all, why? Why write this book about your first experience? Well, first of all, thank you for those compliments. Uh, I've been hearing that a lot from the people who have been able to review the books, people you know, such as you before it came out uh, about how they're able to read it in one or two you know, sittings and uh, they, they don't want to put it down. And I, and for me, a first time author, that's like, I, I, I'm, I'm humbled by that. I really am. But I mean, why I really wrote this book was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a, uh, it was a thing where I was asked, I've, I've done radio shows and podcasts and things of that nature. And everyone always, that one of the, the big questions they ask is, you know, what's your scariest experience? What's the scariest location you've ever been to? And I always, and my number one is always the house of wills. Um, I, and 
it came down to the point after five or six years of, of talking about this, people were asking, hey, you should write a book about it. Mm-hmm. And so COVID hit. Uh, I was sitting on my butt for a good six, seven months. And I said, well, let me write this book. I mean, I'd never written a book before. I never wanted to be an author. And I sat down one night and just started writing this thing about, you know, 12, one o'clock in the morning. And I didn't stop for almost three, four months. Uh, it just kind of flowed. And it, it, and quite honestly, it was therapy for me to get it all out. Cause I had like buried a lot of it. Uh, what happened to me there? Because a lot of it, I couldn't, I couldn't digest at the time. Um, I was a, uh, I, I wasn't as a mature investigator as I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd only been you know, investigating for eight or nine years at that point. And uh, it, it really, it, it humbled me. And it, uh, was one of those, it was that location that almost made me quit investigating altogether because I'm like, I don't, if this is how it's going to be, and I don't want to ever run into a place like this again. And um, I have since several locations but none that actually you know measure up to the house of wills to be honest with you yeah let me let me get you right back to the very very beginnings of of your paranormal investigation we'll call it a hobby before it was a career um when you first get into wanting to investigate the paranormal or or even as a hobby what what spurs the initial how should i put this what spurs the 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 love of or wanting to go out into the field and actually want to do it. There's a difference between uh, sitting at home and going, gosh, you know, it'd be really cool if I could find a ghost and actually going out there and trying to find some, I guess, evidence of, of the, right. the paranormal. What, what made you go out there and want to do it? Absolutely. Um, it was by complete accident. Um, I, I never really watched the paranormal shows you're talking. This is back in 2005 when mm-hmm. I got into it. Um, I had gotten invited by my mom. She won tickets or got tickets to a place called Fort Delaware here in Delaware, where I live. It's a civil war fort. That was a prison camp during uh, the civil war. And um, it was a Halloween type paranormal investigation they were doing there. And she had no one to go with her. So my stepsister and myself said, oh, let's, we'll go. I'll go check it out. You know, I, I was always into the Halloween thing. I'm a, I'm a Halloween baby. I was born November 1st. Oh, there you uh, go. So, yeah, and my mom's born Halloween. So it's like that was – I've always been a ho- lover of, of that time of year and all the, you know, the ghosts and stuff and the spooky stuff. So I said, what the hell? Let's do this. And uh, I went. And um, long story short, my first time ever on an investigation, it was only like a two and a half hour, three hour investigation at this at, at Fort Delaware. I actually witnessed a half body apparition. And I witnessed this apparition, this half body apparition, my first time out. And it was like it, it I didn't even tell anybody I saw this at the time. What I saw was this gentleman who I, at first I thought he was a reenactor mm-hmm. um, because this was the civil war fort. Um, and what I saw was just from the shoulders up, you know, the head and the shoulders saw us all you could see. You could not. And that's what really captured me. We were, we were down in the, um, in the powder mag where they used to keep uh, all the powder magazines and everything. And I saw this man standing in the hallway away from the group that I was entering only five or six of us in this group. You had the, who the, the kind of the investigator guy who was there leading us around and showing us the location. And I looked to my, my right over my shoulders and I see this, 
this person standing there and what captured my, what caught my eyes was I, he had no lower half to his body. Mm-hmm. There was no you know, lower portion. And I can remember him vividly to this day. He had um, shoulder length, scraggly, dirty hair, a very dis- disheveled beard. And it had, and what I really stuck out to me he had, had debris in it, like leaves and, and just dirt in his beard. And he was there maybe eight to 10 seconds. And he kind of, it sucked into a, like a ball, like almost, and, and just kind of disappeared. Uh, and I, all I knew from that night on, like when I left there, and even though I didn't tell anybody, because I thought they were, were going to think I was crazy or I was making it up, that some way, somehow, I wanted to recreate that or figure out what I saw, and yeah. that started my my passion. That is crazy. So you you see this apparition and of course now you want more now i'm going to ask you a, a crucial question here daryl what gets you to go out a second time this is this is the thing i mean you see it the first time you've got that that passion to want to create it and, and do it again this is this is always the cru- the crucial second step when when you want to do it again how do you figure out how to go out and have a second experience. Well, I mean, you got to remember too, back in 2005, internet was not really big at the time. There right. was none of the social media where you could actually, you know, kind of research things. Um, so it, it was me hitting the bookstores like Barnes and Noble and places like that to, to find paranormal books and read, read up on them and try to learn it. I knew nothing about being a ghost hunter. I didn't even know what a ghost hunter was or a paranormal investigator at the time. And, I learned, you know, by just jumping in there and, and learning, you know, and, and buying, you know, things off online pieces of equipment that I saw on TV shows. And, you know, of course some work, some don't work. Uh, at least you think they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you start using this equipment and really I went out on my own. And then uh, a year or two later is when I met my wife, I was dating her at the time okay. and she had never done it before. And she'd been watching the shows and I said, well, let's, let's do this. And so we started going around to places like Gettysburg and, 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 uh, places around Delaware, Fort Delaware went back a dozen times and, uh, just, and we, we, over the years, we capture so many cool things, you know, just basically little vacations for us. You know, we take the weekend and go and investigate. And, uh, it was just awesome. A couple pieces of equipment, you know, recorders and things of that nature or whatever is out at the time. And, uh, it grew from there and I, I started my own team in uh, 2011 called breaking paranormal. And I had hooked up with some people up in Ohio and uh, geographically speaking, people, you know, you know, I'm from Delaware, Ohio, that's eight hours, nine hours away. So right. it was like us meeting in the middle and finding these locations and kind of, you know, offering up places that we've all been. And that's how I actually got introduced to the house of wills from the people in Ohio, in Ohio, my investigators. Yeah. I want to get into the House of the Wills here in, in a few moments, but I, I'm really curious, and, and bear with me here, Daryl, when I ask you this. Between, like, say, 2005, 2006, when you're with your wife, and, and you're just kind of, and, and I want to talk about Gettysburg here in a second, too. When, when, you're, when you're going to Gettysburg and, and even back to Fort Delaware, what kind of equipment are you, when you say little pieces of equipment, what are you using? I, I mean, you said recorders, but, but are you using a K2? What, what kind of uh, little pieces of equipment are you picking up? It's funny you say K2, because that was, yeah, that was my first piece of equipment. Uh, my wife had actually bought me one for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, yeah, that was like 
big back then to K2. Uh, we were using K2s. Uh, we started getting into like the, um, the spirit boxes, the, 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 you know, the original versions, like the hack shacks and stuff yeah. like that, yep. uh, we were using. So yeah, it was, it was things of that nature. It was, it was nothing high tech back then it was, of course, but sure. we were using a lot of that type stuff, uh, REM pods, things of that nature. Yeah. Okay. Were you, were you hacking your own uh, shack hacks? No, I wasn't that, <laughs> I wasn't that good at it. Okay. Uh, I was, I was buying them off of, uh, off of websites and stuff. Uh, yeah, like Ghost of Augustine and things of that nature. Yeah. Because back in, uh, gosh, what was it, 2006, 2007, we were doing the trips with uh, Jay and Grant. We, we had gone to the Stanley Hotel, and we had Bill Chappell with us. And he was telling us how to, how to hack the uh, Radio Shack uh, radios. So we went yeah. to all the Radio Shacks within, I think it was like a 50-mile vicinity of the um, – of the Stanley hotel. And we scooped up all the radio shack radios that had the tuners, the digital tuners. And we right. were, we were pulling the pins on all of them. And then we were, we were selling them as, as cheap as we could to the people <laughs> at the conference and, right. and just saying here, if you want, if you want a shack hack, here you go. So people right. had it. So they had the experience. Um, we were actually blessed enough to have a Frank's box the first few times we were at the Stanley. Very uh, cool. Because uh, Chris Moon had come by and he had had a Frank's box. And, and, but we had some of the weirdest experiences with the Frank's box you, you could ever imagine. I mean, that, and that's for stories for another day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I, I'm just curious because, you know, in those days, people think, oh, yeah, you've always had this great equipment. Uh, that you could that you could use back in those days, and it really wasn't. It was really the wild west of equipment, you know, back in anywhere from two thousand five to two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Right. Um, you know, you were you were really dealing with very little as far as technology went. So I was just kind of curious what it was you were using when you were when you were out there in, in the wild, so to speak, and uh, gathering evidence. Yeah, it was like yeah. It, it, it's funny you say it was the wild west. It's like a, you know a uh a, a gunfighter back in the 1800s with his, you know, his revolver compared to now with everybody with full auto weapons and automatic weapons. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, it's a big jump. It really is compared yeah. to what was. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you watch the shows now and it, you're right. It's like you're, you're bringing out, uh, you're bringing out a full arsenal with, uh, you know, with everything and you go, wow, wish I would have had half that stuff when I was, uh, when I was out there. So. Well, I think that makes it like, it made it so much fun back then. Cause you just didn't know, you know, it's, it's you're delving into the unknown and you still are at a point but it, back then it was like you said the wild west and it's like yo hey this this yeah it was fun it was, it was, a, it was a really good time it really was yeah most definitely I want to talk to you a little bit about gettysburg before we move on um i know you you had a lot of fun in gettysburg gathering things what were some of your favorite spots in gettysburg to go to Oh wow, my 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 always my go to in Gettysburg is the Cash Town Inn, which is really about nine miles outside of Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. It's actually where the battle first the first shots were were during the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, you know, uh, and the Cash Town Inn is just one of these places. It's like a wealth of knowledge, it's a wealth of history, um, and it. It's such, I've gotten so much great evidence out of that building. Um, I've seen it on the original Ghost Hunters. That's what really drew me to it. And um, we had some amazing experiences, better than what they ever called in the show there, to be honest with you, uh, in that 
actual location. And then again, the battlefield at, you know, if you, if you, get, you can get out there at night, you know, before they close it down around 10 o'clock. Um, I've got some amazing like EVPs out there. I've seen some stuff that you, you just can't wrap your head around. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, Gettysburg is just one of those places every time I go back and I'm close, I'm relatively close. I'm about two hours from Gettysburg. Okay. And I try to get there at least once a year. Matter of fact, I'll be there this October and uh, for an event. But it's one of those places, every time you go back, you find something new, a new location, new spot you've never been. And I've been going for 15 years now. Yeah. And I just, it's it's a, it's a must-do for paranormal investigators. Absolutely. I, I've been there a handful of times. And, and every time I go there, there's something new, something exciting. And and the history is so rich. It's just, yeah. 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 It's, it's a... You know, it, it's it's exciting. It's tragic at the same time, but it it's it's always something that that you know, especially if you're a budding investigator, you have to. It's it's a must do, you know, um, because there's so many things you can find, both indoors and outdoors. You know, it's one of those uh, places that you know, whether it's a covered bridge, or if it's a battlefield, or you go indoors into a house. You're, you're going to pick up something. So, yeah. 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 I, I always joke around people and they always ask me, people have never been to Gettysburg and they ask me, like, how was Gettysburg? I said, Gettysburg is one of those places you can get in, you can get evidence in a porta potty on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it literally, it's just one of those locations. It's so rich in just history and the paranormal on top of it. And it's just like, it's an amazing location and, and you fall in love with it. It's like, it's just this little town that's stuck in time. It's got some modern technology there, don't get me wrong, but it's this town that's stuck in time, and the the food is amazing, the locations, the people are amazing, and there's always so much to do there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Gettysburg, and, and looking forward to getting back there again sometime soon. So, Daryl, here's uh, here's where we're going to kind of make that transition. Uh, we're, we're talking, of course, about the new book, which is available on September 8th, The Horrors of the House of Wills, A True Story of a Paranormal Investigator's Most Terrifying Case. Again, you can pre-order right now on Amazon. We have a link in the description of this podcast. Okay, so now we've we've moved along. You're, of course, now with your wife, you're starting to gather this group or this loose group of friends and you're starting to get together on a regular basis and you're investigating. Now you get a suggestion from whom about this spot in Cleveland that you've heard okay. about. Well, it, it's funny cause it, I actually got this location when I was, I was investigating Gettysburg uh, with a friend of mine, Greg Nepp, who was part of my team, uh, him and uh, Stephanie. Uh, they're both from Akron, Ohio, which is, you know, geographically speaking, it's about half hour outside of uh, Cleveland. And they were like, hey, we investigate this location called the House of Wills. And then they, they're going, this is three o'clock in the morning, they're going on about it. And I'm like, there's no way like all this stuff is happening there. I'm like, I'm thinking they're over exaggerating. And like some of the things they were telling me was crazy. And I'm like, okay, whatever, let's do it. So literally about three or four weeks later, next thing I know I'm traveling to the house of wills and it's, you know, and it became, it, 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 the weird thing about it. And I wrote this in the book was I started having dreams of this location and I don't know, it could have been just what I've been told but I, I knew what this location looked like before I was even in the building. 
Like I was having these really vivid dreams of it and weird things started right before maybe the, you know, a few days before I left, weird things started happening around my house. My dog started acting weird, um, hearing things, seeing things, uh, which I've never had before. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, it was like a buildup to it. It was either something telling me not to go. I, at the time, like I said, I was, I was more, I wasn't as mature as I am now as an investigator, but I, you know, I went and I tell you it, I was not, I was not physically or mentally prepared for what I was walking into. None of us were. And we got to this location and it's the only location that's how I, I explained it to people is it, it's the only place I've ever been. I've been to some crazy locations over the years. It's the only place I've ever been that it doesn't feel like so much. It's haunted by just spirits, but the location itself is a living organism. Okay. And the way, and the only way I can explain that is, is when you walk in there, there's such an energy. Um, and I don't know if it's the, if it's the way the building was designed. It was designed by a, um, a Masonic architect back in the 1800s, a 32nd degree Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the way he designed the building, uh, but this energy in this building is it's overwhelming. And that's what they kept telling me. Everyone kept telling me, and I've spoken to other people too, before I went, like he'd been there and like, you're going to feel things there and see things there that you're, you're not going to believe the energy is this intense and the energy is so strong in that building. Like you literally have to every 45 minutes to an hour, walk outside and ground yourself and just get it off of you. Um, and it's the only place I've ever been to like that, where you just, you, you can't stand being in it too long. It's too much. You know, something interesting you you have the the plans of the actual house of wills in uh, in the book right one of the things i wanted to point out here first of all I'll, I'll point this out and then i have another question for you on top of that that has to do with the actual energy of the building and the fact that you you had the actual you were having actual dreams about it, not dreams about it, but visions of it. We can call it dreams or visions or whatever of, uh, before you, you went there and things happening before you went there. If you look at the the plans of the actual House of Wills, um, it, it's eerie. And I meant to bring this up to you. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to do this off air or on air, but since you mentioned it on air, I, I want to I bring it up to you. Um, if you know anything about... King Solomon's uh, palace or King Solomon's uh, where King Solomon resided uh, and you know anything about Masonic lore Mm -hmm. it looks a little bit when you look at the plans like King Solomon's uh, where King Solomon resided yeah yeah it's something that I the higher and lower keys of Solomon and things of that nature uh yeah, I, that's what really like this location is what really started me to, um, really investigate more into the higher and lower keys of Solomon and things of that nature because of that location, you know, sigils and, and things of that nature. So I, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, so as, as you had mentioned that, you know, it was built by a, a Mason in the book. Um, and when you had, when you included the plans, I, I started to look at the plans and I went, well, you know, and, and the fact that there were other things 
included, including an Egyptian room. And, and you had mentioned that the, the mm-hmm. owner, the current owner had had certain things in there that we'll get to later in the, in the, in the story here. I, I started to go, Oh, Hmm. Okay. And I started to put some things together that we'll talk about again later in the show. Um, but you said you had started to have these visions before you even went. And and I wonder, and I, well, I want to bring up a theory here because I want to know where you sit with this. I know there are certain investigators that don't want to bring up the D word or demon. Right. Um, uh, Adam Bly, who's a, a demonologist, I don't know if you've ever had dealings with him or, or talked with him, will say that uh, a demon will leave a calling card for you before you even have any dealings with them. A lot of times it'll be an appearance. They'll leave a vision for you. Um, they'll do something to let you know or that you're about to cross them before you even cross them. Right. Uh, with that in mind, in hindsight, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. I know what your theory is on this, and you've stated what your theory is uh, about this haunting in the book. And again, we'll talk about that a little later. Um. With that in mind, do you believe that we can speak the D word when it comes to this particular haunting? At least partially. Uh, at least partially. Partially, yes. Um, I don't know if that's what I was dealing with there or any of us were dealing with. I, I do think there is a very dark, dark energy there. Um, and, you know, my... my teachings and learnings about you know, uh about demons and things of that nature is usually you don't you don't know you've crossed one until it's too late it's yeah. not like they show themselves to your face right away mm-hmm. they're very patient and they like you know playing havoc on your life and destroying your life uh and in a lot of cases that's what kind of happened and you know after i left there mm-hmm. uh, i was having these things happen in my house, uh, that I had to get, you know, I had basically had to reach out to people in the field that knew what they were doing and, and, and dealing with these types of, of uh, entities or, you know, all things to help me get rid of it. And, uh, it's really the only thing to help me get rid of it out of all the things that people were throwing at me was I found God. Yeah. And I found God really quick. Yeah. Um, and that's what helped me. I'm not embarrassed to say that at all. And I tell you, and that's the only thing that helped me. That's the only thing that made me feel better. And that's the only thing that got rid of what was in my house. Absolutely. I can say that. Absolutely. I can say that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, Daryl, let's take our break right here. And I really want to jump into the, the meat of the story here because it is chilling. That, that's the only way to put it is the House of Wills is a place unlike any other. You know, we, we talk about some of the most chilling places on earth you could talk about waverly hill sanatorium all you want you could talk about devil's den uh in in gettysburg you can talk about uh any of the the places you want to talk about worldwide that could absolutely send chills up your spine but the fact of the matter is is when you read about uh this particular place i think this place the house of wills will absolutely astound you. And I know you're going to have a lot of people after they read this book that are going to want to go there. I'm going to ask you this before we go to break, Daryl. What would be your advice to the people who read this and go, even for a thrill, go, I want to go to this place. What would be your advice? Uh, If you do decide to go to this location, which I can't stop anybody, um, I, 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 
I don't want to, I don't want to say don't go, but what I want to say to people is if you go to this location, go there as a complete observer, do not taunt, do not open yourself up to it. And if, and it's, I, I said, I believe I said this in the book, if you go there, don't have any baggage in your life. And what I mean by that is if you're having any kind of marital, financial health problems, anything, don't go because it feeds off of that. Um, and I seen it do it, not just to myself, but to friends of mine, to other investigators and people who have went there. Do not go because that type of energy, not just the house of wills, but any type of dark energy at these locations will feed off of your problems in your life. If it's a true, you know, if it's a true dark spirit of some sort, demon, whatever you want to call it, it will pick up on that and it will use it against you. That's all I have to say about that. Yep. Okay. The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case. It's available right now for pre-order. Book comes out on September 8th. I suggest you pre-order this book right now. Get it. Get it and get it now. Uh, we've got a link in the description of this program. When we come back, more with Daryl Marston. We'll talk about the House of Wills, the extremely chilling experience the minute he came up to the door of the house of wills what he found inside what he found inside just walking around will terrify you we'll talk about that when we come back next on the best in paranormal programming this is darkness radio what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Daryl Marston, paranormal investigator, uh, co-lead investigator of A&E's Ghost Hunters, and the author of The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case. It is up for pre-order right now. We've got a link in the description of this program. Book comes out on September 8th. It's available by Llewellyn Press. Daryl, uh, before the break, we teased that we were about to enter the House of Wills. I want to get to, I want to set the scene for our audience real quick. So you're you're driving up to the building. You're getting up to the building here with your friends. Um, it's been a long drive, uh, and you you're about to get there. You've had these visions of what this place looks like. You've already got some trepidation. You've had some stuff happen uh, at the house. The dog has obviously been warning you. Mm-hmm. you had some other things happening uh, that that tell you, you know what, maybe this isn't the best idea. You get to the house of Will. Set the scene for me. What is the neighborhood like? What is the actual wow. building like? What are you feeling before you even step foot into the house of Will's? Uh, what I could tell you is, and this is not a knock on East Cleveland at all. East Cleveland is a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, but it's some, there's some areas, neighborhoods that are not the best areas and the house of Willis just happens to be right in the heart of all that, uh, you know, with drive-by shootings and things of that nature. So that's something else people have to think when they go there. I mean, once you're on the property, you're pretty safe because they don't want anything to do with the property. And that's the neighborhood. That's one thing we were told before we got there that um, people avoid the building. And you know, you're thinking, okay, people were exaggerating, whatever. Uh, so I, uh, we get there and we have some time before the caretaker shows up to let us in. And a gentleman named George at the time, and he, he as we're waiting outside, we're, I walk up to the sidewalk and I notice that people maybe a half a block away, instead of walking in front of the building, they actually are crossing the street, getting on the opposite side of the street and then walking past the building, which I'm like, this is real. People are, people are actually doing this. I sat there and watched 10 people do it over like a, maybe 15 minute period of time. I never seen one person walk in front of the building. Uh, from what I was told that people are afraid of the location and they do believe that, um, there are certain people in that, that neighborhood, um, of, of East Cleveland that believe that all the bad doings or the, the decline in, um, the society around there is due to the house of wills that it is, um, has grown in so much dark energy in the neighborhood that the drive by shootings, the drug abuse, the drug dealing and things of that nature are all a 
byproduct of the house of wills. There are people who believe that in the community. Um, and I wrote about most of that in the book, uh, what I could, what I was allowed to put yeah. it that way. And, uh, that's one of the things I noticed. And finally, when the caretaker showed up, one of the first things he said to us before you start your investigation, now it's still daytime out. It's, this is July. So it's about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, I believe. And so there's still a little daylight. He said, we have to clear the building. And I'm like thinking to myself, I was a firearms instructor. So I know what clearing means. And I'm just making sure he's saying what I think he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Clear the building. And I'm like, clear the building. Do you mean like clear the building of people? And he said, yeah, there could be a possibility. There could be people inside. We don't know. Um, so I'm like, okay. Uh, and I always, you know, I have a concealed carry and I always carry it. And a couple of the guys on the team also concealed carry. So yeah, we went in and took about a good hour. The place is, is it, when you look at it in a picture, pictures don't you know, do it you know, justice. It's huge. I mean, it's amazing side. It's room upon room upon room, rooms inside of rooms. So it took a good hour to clear the entire location to make sure there was nobody in there. But there has, there was a story that's in the book that um, one of the caretakers was attacked by a guy with an ax Oh. Uh, true story. She was there by herself. She showed up and went in the building one day and there was a guy waiting at the top of the stairs, just standing there with an ax and oh she God. took off and thank God he was not able to catch up with her. And, um, she got out of the building, was able to get to her vehicle where she had her, her handgun and pulled it out. And when she turned around, he was no longer there. You know, she called the police, police showed up, they swept the building, they couldn't find a guy, but all they could find was the actual ax sitting, uh, I believe it was sitting next to the, uh, the stage area in the auditorium. So there's, there's stories of that. There's true stories about that. That's that actually really happened. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what is it about this place? What's the history of this place, Gerald, that makes it so bad that the, the locals don't even want to cross in front of it they'll cross a uh, cross the street around it th that that makes this place so bad what is it about this place that's so bad good question um i mean it started out like i said it was it, it was an architect uh who's a 32nd three mason it's all in the book uh he designed the location back in see the crazy thing is the records are really hard on this place to find exactly when it was built. We do know it was definitely built around 1890, I mean, 1850 and 1890. There's parts of the building they're saying are from the 1850s. But so we'll say 1890. Um, the architect comes in there. He's a 32nd degree Mason, uh, the Masonic Temple of uh, the you know, Cleveland, Ohio area. High, he, he, really well known Mason in that area. Um, he, uh, he, he built this location, many locations in Cleveland are still standing to today, this, to this very day. And, uh, so after that, it became, after it was a Masonic temple, it became a German social club for many years during around world war one. Um, so you have that, uh, then it became a hospital for several years. Um, I believe it was a Hebrew hosp hospital. Uh, it was, it was rumored to be a speakeasy. I could never find any actual evidence of that, but if it was truly a speakeasy that was never found out by the uh, federal government, it, you would never, there would be no record of it anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have that. 
And then in around 1945, it became um, Cleveland's largest uh, African-American funeral home and uh, mortuary. Mm. And it's, yeah. And so you got these layers of all this stuff going on and it, it stayed that way all the way up till the early two thousands. Now the original owner, Mr. Wills, he passed away in 1971 mm-hmm. and that's how I got the name, the house of Wills. Um, he passed away and he left it to his children who ran the location and they, it, it, it declined over the years and all the way up to the early 2000s where uh, there was some, um, not so much tomfoolery, but there was basically they were, there's some uh, fraud and things of that nature going on and the place got shut down and some people did get arrested uh, and went to prison. Uh, so it sat for about 10 years from like, I'm going to say 2002 to 2012, uh, where a gentleman by the name of uh, Eric Freeman bought the property. He felt, and I've talked to Eric several times. I've had meetings with him, and uh, I actually had to get his permission to write the book because he is the owner of the of the property right now. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric Freeman, and this is not, yeah, this is all public knowledge. He is a high ranking priest in this the new Satanic, uh, new Church of Saint. Okay. So he, he purchased this property. Um, he brought his beliefs there and I, and, and I'm not knocking his beliefs. Everybody's allowed to believe what they want to. Sure. Um, and I, he's, he's, a, he's a businessman. I've spoken to him. Uh, he doesn't push his beliefs on anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I, I respect about him. Uh, he has, he does what he does and that's it. But, um, so you're bringing this, dark energy of the, you know, he has done rituals in the building. Okay. So that you've got that layered on top of everything. There have been murders there. There have been all kinds of rumored, you know, sexual assaults, things of that stuff in the building, not by him. Right. Right. This is, this is before him. Right. Uh, so you have all these different layers of this good and bad over the years, just layered on top of each other. And then you introduce a gentleman like Eric Freeman, who, who brings his beliefs into the building. Um, that's why I think this, this place is it's so scary to the, the community around it. They're not used to that. They're not used to having basically um, a high ranking or, you know, a high priest of the, of, uh, uh, you know, the new church of Satan or, uh, running a building in the middle of their neighborhood. And I think, you know, you know, rumors fly like they do and they get pushed around and people think that's probably why the place is so dark in energy and haunted. And it, it very well could be some of that, you know, you got, who knows what is brought into that building. What I saw with my own eyes with the statues and things of that nature that were in the building when I was there, that are no longer there because they were actually burnt about seven or eight years ago in a fire. They, um, these people from the community came in there and tried to burn the property down What with Eric in the building, oh, Eric God. and his uh, girlfriend. Yikes. Yeah. That that's scary in itself. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm, I might change my, my thought here for a moment. It, bear with me here. And then I want to get back to the, the subject at hand, which is what you saw when you first walked in the building. Um, 
So I, originally I said, do you think there was a demon involved showing you or making its calling card when you had these visions? I'm going to change my thought now here, Daryl, and that's this. When, when, uh, when you brought up the subject of God, now I'll bring up a, maybe a guardian angel. Do you think maybe an angel shows you the visions of what's coming because of the dark energy that's there at that building? Do you think maybe it was a warning? Yeah, absolutely. Quite possibly. Yeah, I do. Um, and I still think to this day that, you know, one, one of the reasons I did write the book was not just for my own well-being, but to put out there what these type of locations can do to people and how dangerous they can be. People, I think sometimes people take the paranormal as just fun. And it can be. Believe me, it can be. Um, but there are certain locations out there that probably should not be dealt with or taken you know, taking that they're just a regular haunting because they're not. Mm -hmm. uh, this place is not like any place in the 400 plus locations I've done. None of them stack up to this. None of them. Close. Yeah. None. So you clear the building and it's time to, I, I mean, obviously you've seen some stuff as you're clearing the building, but it's time to step in and actually do the investigation. You've been looking for people. Now you're actually getting a good look at what's inside. What is it that mm -hmm. you're seeing inside that is absolutely startling you? Uh, the first thing would be the statues. That was the one, the one thing that really blew my mind. Um, in the auditorium area, the first statues that we come across, and I was told about these, but I didn't, I didn't know what to expect when I saw them, were these uh, three or four um, very large, seven to eight foot tall, wooden hand-carved statues of the one that, I, that really stands out to me was looked like some kind of medieval torture device. Uh, it was... It had chains on it. It had uh, straps on it, uh, like a pendulum type. Uh, and I don't know how to say this. Uh, hand carved wooden phallus okay. about 15 inches long hmm. uh, on a pendulum. Okay. And there would be a place where someone was, was strapped. Um, very dark. It just the energy off of these things. Just like, Wow. Uh, and, and, and I know art is, is, you know, it, it's taken, you know, the, whoever the artist was and, and from what I'm told, Eric was the artist of these, of these, um, actual statues. He actually hand carved them himself from what I was told. I never really asked him about it and someday I will. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, that's what I first came across. Uh, and then in some of the other rooms, like the Egyptian room, there was a statue of a, and I'm trying to create this in my head again. It was a, um, if you would take a, a human body and cut it straight down the center and like, and show the integrals and everything that was on a, a an upside down cross. Um, there was several of these type of uh, statues throughout the building in different rooms um, one was on the stage area. There's another one up in the loft area, which was a large, like, um, studio sized apartment type room that was, uh, upside down cross and had like, it looked like what could have been an upside down angel 
or um, excuse me, it was uh, it was actually an upside down. Um, it was upside down cross, basically a uh, like a rosary with a decapitated uh, Jesus on it. Uh, yeah, there's very there was these types of statues and you know and things were strewn throughout the building. Wow, uh, shocking to say the least. That's for sure. Yes, that's for sure. Um, so immediately your your senses are overwhelmed. You're already overwhelmed as you walk in. Yeah. Um, so you've got to get it together, obviously, because you've, you've got other things that you're going to be looking for supernaturally. Um, what do you do to, to center yourself at this point to start sure. looking uh, for, for other things? That's the problem. I didn't, I didn't center myself. And I think that's why I left myself open to it. I was like running, gunning, trying to get this investigation going because I knew I'd basically had about 15, 16 hours before I had to turn right back around and hit the road again. So I, I don't think I even took time to center myself at that point. Um, it was like a lot of like, Hey, let's get set up. And, you know, we were setting cameras up everywhere. I think we had like a total of 10 or 12 static cams throughout the building. Um, we had, you know, a base camp with monitors and things of that nature. And that took several hours to at least two hours to set up all that. Um, so in, in, in the one thing we did do, we had a meeting outside right before it got dark and I, I'll never forget this. And this is, this is one of the craziest things to me because I never had a vision like this before, uh, where we were having this meeting there was four of us there, including myself. And um, where we kind of stood in a circle and, and, and Stephanie wanted to say a prayer. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm like kind of rolling my eyes at the time, like whatever, let's do this. And we said, yes, yeah, she said a prayer. And during this prayer, I had this crazy visual one. And I know you say a vision, like it was, it felt so real in the moment where we're saying the prayer. And all I can remember in my head was laughing and I visioned myself pulling my firearm on these three people. Crazy thing is, when we were walking away, I stopped Keith, who was the investigator who came with me from Delaware. And I said, man, I just had this crazy vision. He said, stop right there. He's like, he said, let me tell you, I had a vision too. And he explained to me the exact same vision that I had, that he had. Same thing. Um, right then and there, it was like, okay, this this something's not right. Something is not right here at all. Yeah. And, um, that's, then we, when we entered the building, it was like, we made an oath to everybody. No one goes anywhere in that building by themselves. I don't care if it's in a bathroom or whatever. You do not go anywhere by yourself. Everyone needs to be together. Very good idea. And, and yeah, it, you know, I, I got to ask you this question, Daryl, at this point, when you, when you realize when, when you and Keith are talking to each other, that, there's something messing with you uh, at this point. It's, it's malevolent. You, you have to know it's malevolent, right? Is there a thought at this point that maybe you need to go in with, with someone who's, I don't want to say clergy, but someone who's related to clergy, maybe someone who's and, and at that point, are you offending Eric? If you come in with somebody who's clergy, someone who's not of his beliefs, right? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, and we really, honestly, yeah, if I had someone who was part of the clergy nearby, yeah, I would have definitely brought them with me. I, I don't, at that point, I don't care who I was you know, offending, but I truthfully didn't have the time. Wasn't really thinking like that. We were just thinking, 
never thought that we I would have something follow me home. And that's that, that was the kicker. And I wish that I would have thought this case out better. I wish this was a case that I would have taken on like now mm-hmm. where I'm more mature and I know better. Um, but unfortunately I didn't. And that's, you know, that's probably why this book is, you know, so it's, it's so good to so many people because it happened, man. It shows that I don't care who you are and how good you think you are. You're very vulnerable to this type of, this type of haunting or this type of, you know, entity. You know, Stephanie was the one, it seems like in this entire scenario, who was thinking ahead of time, she actually brought Sage to the investigation. Yeah. She? Yeah, she did. Yep. And at that point, I've never even used Sage. I knew what it was, but I never had used it. Um, and uh, she used it um, to on us uh, toward the end of the night. And she actually gave me some to take home with me. And when I was having the things happen in my house, I started using it. And um, it helped for a little bit, but it yeah, it wasn't the end-all, be-all, but it did help. Sure, sure. Um, and, and we're going to leave some of this for the book for people to read. I want to, I do want to, cause there's some other things that happen to you at home and I want people to, to read about those things inside the book, Daryl, because sure. again, there's some, and I think it's safe to say that, that there are some things that are absolutely chilling that happen to you in your story, um, that I want these people to follow up and, and, and get from the book. I want to move on to how how tragedy becomes fortune and misfortune becomes fortune. Uh, I want to move on to how this this investigation game goes from being a hobby to a profession. How is it that that uh, paranormal investigation goes from just being a an everyday hobby to, to you ending up on Annie's ghost hunters. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> luck. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, 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 yeah, it was, it, I, it's crazy. Cause I never really wanted to be on a TV show or anything like that. I never really thought about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and, and I used to, and, and on my show, the American ghost hunter show, which I mean, I haven't done that show in almost six years now. Uh, it, it, it started out, you know, a small little podcast on YouTube and it grew over a three or four year period. And it got pretty big. And, uh, that's where they actually found me. Um, uh, the producers and people from uh, Pilgrim who, you know, produce ghost hunters, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they saw someone, you know, I don't know. It came across someone's desk. And, um, that's how they found me. And I, I remember getting a phone call one night, you know, from a number I didn't know out of, uh, out of Burbank, California. And I'm like, uh, who the hell is this? You know? And I didn't even answer it. And I let it go to voicemail and, um, and they left a message. And the next thing I know, we're playing phone tag back and forth. And next thing I know, I'm flying to LA and signing contracts and, couple weeks later hitting the road hard and uh and filming man it was crazy it was it was so it happened so fast it was such a blur it really was what's the difference between an investigation on television and one that you do yourself wow uh i've been asked this before i tell you uh investigating on tv i mean investigating for yourself basically you know you usually you're, you're running a location or you got a location you're going to for a night and you know, you pack up at the end of the night and you go home. Well, on TV, you're anywhere, you're there for anywhere from five to ten, sometimes fourteen days on one location. Um, 
and that's you know that's how we feel i can't speak for the other shows but that's how we filmed mm -hmm. and you know we would it, it would be from going from filming say in texas this week and then you're jumping on a you get one day off and then you're jumping on a plane on a sunday and you're flying to alaska and then you're flying to say mississippi um it was very run and gun and you lived out of a suitcase yeah crazy crazy and you're, you're like it's a lot of also on set it's a lot of hurry up and wait um you get there you know three or four o'clock in the afternoon when the sun's still up uh you're prepping you're doing interviews and things of that nature and then when the sun goes down you're it's running gun and investigate for you know hour 15 at a time and you might do you know in one night three four five runs meaning that you're going to investigate different parts of the location four or five times hmm very interesting. Let me ask you yeah. this. You know, when, when you're on your own, you of course, you pick your teammates. You, you have the people that you have chemistry with that you go out and you investigate with. When it comes to television, you don't get to pick your castmates or you don't get to pick your, your team. No. How, do, you, do you find chemistry within the group? Do they put you together with someone and you have to make chemistry? How, how does that work? Um, yeah. Uh, well, in the, in the very beginning, when we first started filming, I was put with, uh, it was, it was me and Grant and then it flipped over to, it was me and Kristen who were co-lead investigators with Grant. And we kind of flipped back and forth with him for investigating. Um, and then the second season I was, we, I picked up Mustafa and it was me and Mustafa investigating because we had a really good chemistry off screen too. Mm -hmm. You know, me, me and Mustafa and Brandon, you know, came really cl close friends off screen. And, um, you know, we would always travel together when, when possible. And, um, yeah, it was just like, they see that, you know, especially mm -hmm. the executive producers, they see that and they, they see, you know, your, your style and the way you joke and things of that nature and how you, you, you come off on screen together. And that's, that's a big, it's a big part of it. Yeah. When you get to learn different things about different people, do you find that, especially among your castmates, when it comes to paranormal experiences, are you finding that a lot of them are the same, that they're different, that when you spoke to your castmates about the House of Wills, did you find in your experiences with it and the, the haunting, did you find that they had similar haunting experiences? Um. Somewhat, but not to that extent. None of them really had things that followed them home and things of that nature. It was funny because the, one of the first day or two I was on set, I was uh, doing a what's called hero shots. And the uh, DP, uh, director of photography, uh, Kendall Welpton, was actually doing these you know hero shots of me for the A&E series. And... Um, he's kind of just making small talk with me. He's laying on the ground doing these shots of me standing there in front of, uh, the St. Augustine lighthouse. And, uh, he's like, just small talk. Hey, so what's the craziest place you've ever been? And I say, well, truly the craziest place I've ever been is this place called the house of wills in Cleveland. Not thinking he'd ever been there. Mm -hmm. Um, he literally jumped up. He's like, did you say house of wills? I said, yeah. Yeah. I said, why? He's like, dude, I've been there. I was like, what do you mean you've been there? He said, I filmed there with ghost brothers and he said, I'll never go back to that damn place. Or he, he didn't say damn. He said, F mm -hmm. he said, I'll never go back to that effing place. And then one of our producers this this, this big guy named Russ. He was, uh, he's one of the field producers. He, he kind of tuned in and heard it. And he's like, do you say house of wills? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> it's all of a sudden 
because he was there with Kendall filming because they filmed Ghost Brothers there. And he's like, man, dude, no effing way we'll ever go back. And like, then this, this started this camaraderie, you know, people yeah. who've been to the House of Wills and like, we, we know what it's about. And there, they, there, we were just swapping stories, like how insane that place is. As a matter of fact, it's crazy because we were filming in Ohio and we were saying, crazy story is we had to go film at uh, Madison Seminary in Ohio. Thing was, it was, um, they were doing the, uh, uh, the, uh, the major league baseball uh, like thing there where it was like, you know, the, uh, the series and there was no hotels. So they had to put us in inside Cleveland, which is like almost an hour away from Madison. Mm -hmm. And so we're literally staying maybe 10, 12 blocks away from the house of wills in the hotel. And uh, we were like, one day we had off like, guys let's go like no one would go like they're like nope <laughs> they had no effing way we're going there so come on i can get us in they're like no no they kept saying yeah maybe maybe and then like they all would just back out like nope ain't going man can't do it can't do it again i'm like i get you <laughs> it was yeah it was crazy so if you would let's just play a what if here if you would have gone with the two guys over there would you have filmed it have you, would you have done some b-roll and maybe used it on a show in a future episode I was, you know, I was talking, you know, with production about trying to do something there and, and, in hopes it would come around and it never did. Yeah. Um, I, it was just one of those things, man. Yeah. It was, it was I think we would have went there and, and filmed some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That would have been something. I'd, yeah. I mean, it's too bad that didn't happen, but, but, you know, when you read the book and you really get into the book, would you mentally have been in that place that you could have done it? it to me, it seems like you really would have had to force yourself to, to go in there. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% correct. I think I was more on adrenaline at that moment. And I was like, if they did it, I would do it type thing. Yeah. Like, Hey, you know, if you jump in, I'll jump in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's who does it first, you know? And I was like, and like, yeah, I didn't honestly in, in, in the back of my head, I did not want to go. No, but I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't say no. If one of them said, okay, let's do it. You know, I'm like, no, let's do it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those things at the time you're just like, let's do it. Cause you're right there. But it's crazy. Cause I'll be back in, I have a book signing in Cleveland, uh, October 13th. And, uh, We'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> now, you you did mention in the book that you thought that this time of year, uh, right around fall of 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 2023, that you'd be filming a project. Uh, in yeah, that area. Um, actually, that was supposed to happen last year. Um, we were we were working with a production company, and that all kind of fell through. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. You know. Uh, who knows okay so the book <laughs> the book signing comes up in in fall of in fall in cleveland are you of a mind or even of a spiritual sense that you think that if someone were to say even if you were to get a call from a paranormal team and they were to say oh come on daryl we can we can we're willing to do it in fact we'll we even have a clerk someone of the clergy who will come with that will be there that can help uh would you be of a mind to to do it again I think I'm of a mind to do it again, but do I want to put myself through that and be like, in, 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 in joking around, be like, show me the money. <laughs> 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 show me the money because it's, this time I'm getting paid to go through that shit. <laughs> okay, so 
let's take it one one tier higher. Okay. Yeah. Documentary for money. Yeah. Okay. Would you be willing to do a documentary? Yeah, I think it would be different because you you'd be. I've been there. I know it. I, I know what it's capable of, and I think I can handle it definitely. I'm. I'm very protected these days by, you know, what I've put around me, this energy around me, not like I was almost 10 years ago when I was there the first time. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I would just be, my concern would be for the people who are with me. Okay. That would be my main concern, keeping an eye on them. Cause you know, you, you could tell people all you want to your blue in the face and they might not take it seriously. Some might, some may not. And, you know, to keep in themselves, you know, protect it. And, and, and like I said, man, don't bring a, don't bring baggage in there because it's just, it's going to feed off of it. Like I said, you know, financial health, marital, don't bring it there. If you're having problems at home, do not go there yeah. because that negative energy will feed off of that. I'm just thinking, now hear me out here because sometimes I'm a bit of a mad scientist when it comes to ideas. If you could grab somebody like Grant Mustafa and you could bring mm-hmm. in uh, someone who's a seasoned, uh, let's just say a seasoned demonologist like John Zaffis, who has a, a tie to, uh, you know, a, a family such as that, or someone who is related like that, a, a demonologist who would come in, who would, who would uh, be available and there were a production company behind it that would be willing to, you know, put up cash. I'm just saying, would it, would it be, would that be enough of a comfort level? And, and especially with cash behind it, that would, that would make you jump. Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely, if you put an A-list team together, uh, like what you just spoke of, you know, Zaf is grant Mustafa, people like that, who I feel comfortable working with. Um, and I know we'll have, everyone will have each other's back and know what to do if a situation did, you know, go South. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not to, not to knock my team that I was there with before, never. Um, but I think we were all a little bit immature at the time to be going to such a crazy place that we had no business being in. Okay. Uh, again, just playing hypotheticals. That's all. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, I get it. But, you know, it, it's it just, I mean, it speaks a lot to the people you have beside you and your mindset, where you are spiritually, things like that, and whether you would want to even relive that. And, of course, there's there's a there's a dollar sign there that would talk as well. And, and for, <laughs> for people that say a dollar sign, come on, Tim, why would you talk about money? Because money, again, is energy exchanged. People don't realize that. That yeah. there's there's an energy exchange with money as well there is a price to what you will go and do and it is a, a wear on your soul a little bit to to go in and try and experience some of this stuff again especially in the name of entertainment let's face it yeah. if you're going to put yourself through something there has to be some energy exchanges to if i'm going to put this energy out some energy has to come back in and that's ex- exactly. essentially what money is it's 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 some sort of energy exchange in order to do something i want people to understand that as well speaking of the difference between amateur and professional let's talk about that for a second because you put something brilliantly in the book and i've i've argued this for years and i 
you put this so brilliantly, Daryl, in the book, the difference between ghost hunter and paranormal investigator. And you, right. you separate it so wonderfully. Uh, I, I tried to put it in a, in a different term, and I think somebody might have got offended by it uh, because they, they emailed me and they said, uh, how dare you? I tried to say hobbyist, and, and uh, I forget what the other word was. I used hobbyist, and they hated the fact that I used hobbyist. But you put it brilliantly by saying ghost hunter and professional investigator. I'm sorry, and, and, and paranormal investigator. Tell me the difference between ghost hunter and paranormal investigator and why your term is better than mine of hobbyist. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if I can remember correctly what I put in the book, but I mean, I'll try to explain it to you without offending anybody, hopefully. Um, a ghost hunter to me, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, the show is called Ghost Hunters that I was on. Um, but a ghost hunter is someone who does this as maybe a, not so much a thrill seeker, but they just go to have fun. They want to go, they want to go investigate, not be bothered by the, all the scientific terms and be weighed down by something like that. And it's all about having fun. It's like a week, you know, you, know, you go once a, a month on the weekend or whatever and, and do your thing. Um, a paranormal investigator is someone who actually investigates paranormal activity where they try to prove or disprove a location, an event, um, a haunting, and they're willing to put in the time. A real paranormal investigator will put in the time. Like you're talking anywhere from weeks, months, even years to either prove or disprove a haunting. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's how I put it. And Please correct me if I'm wrong. That's how I no, no. put it in the book, but and you that's did. how I, I try to explain it to people. You did, and you put it brilliantly. And the fact of the matter is, it's okay to be a ghost hunter. You don't have to be an investigator. You don't exactly. You don't have to say, "Hey, I'm in it for the science, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to." You know what? You don't have to have the pedigree if you just want to go out there to to find evidence and say hey look what i got you know if you want to be the trophy fisherman go out there and be the trophy fisherman that's fine right you yep. know go have fun with it nobody is disparaging you if you do it yeah, yeah not, exactly yeah i yeah. i mean in my opinion yeah mckee in this and this might get a little you know a little slack from this but in my opinion a ghost hunter also is someone is is somewhat of a thrill seeker you just you want to be you want to get scared in the moment you want to go have a good you know, good time and get a jump scare or whatever i'm all for that believe me because i i know that fine line and i'll and i'll admit it i know the fine line between entertainment and being you know an investigator because the entertainment side of it is ghost hunting yeah that's what you see on tv yep the paranormal investigating side of it there is no series long enough to to film that that you just can't. I mean, it's like I said, it could take weeks, months, even years to investigate a true paranormal haunting and to prove or disprove and to do the different layers of investigating where you could try to, you know, connect you know, from a ticket from a pseudoscience to an actual science, which hopefully we see in our lifetime. I don't know if we will or not, because people don't get along enough in this field unfortunately, yeah. where they can all come together and work together and try to prove the, you know, that the, these paranormal events are real. Um, I, what I can say is over the last five, six years, I have been seeing a lot more scientists getting into this field and, you know, getting their, you know, getting their feet wet basically and trying to, you know, 
investigate and put out equipment to actually try to prove this. I mean, one of the things on our show was, you know, when they, you know, they gave us the, uh, the, uh, camera for, you know, for filming, uh, uh, photon events. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was given to us by a scientist to, well, you know, loaned to us by a scientist. Yeah. That camera was used for, been used by the military and by NASA for 30 some years now yeah. to collect single photon events. And, uh, for us to have it and to be one of the te- first teams ever on TV to use it and to actually capture, you know, these photon events showing paranormal activity, that's a big thing. Oh yeah. Um, and that's a big thing from the scientific community to actually say, Hey, we're seeing you're, you're getting these things. So we, we, you know, we're capturing these photon events. We want to see what you could do with them. And that's basically what they did. And it worked. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's a step in the right direction. It really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's face it. If you did a show about not a show about ghost hunting, but a show about paranormal investigating, most people would be bored silly because it yes. would be four hours in the dark with not a lot going on. Um, yep. you, you would be bored to tears. Uh, thank God you have the show about ghost hunting. <laughs> Let's just put it that way <laughs> because you're getting what you want on, on the screen. Um, Daryl, kind of wrapping things up today. If, um, what what lesson do you want people to come away with reading the ghost or the, the the horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case? What is it that you want people to come away with? Um, I, I I think what I, I I'm trying to you know especially these days is trying to put out there with these the younger investigators or the people who you know are just starting to investigate is to educate them and these types of hauntings, um, and to, you know, really protect themselves. And yeah, you, know, you, you don't have to go out there and investigate these type of places. You can go investigate, you know, your Waverly Hills or your Eastern States penitentiaries and be safe, not to you know, take anything away from those locations. I've investigated all of them, mm-hmm. um, and had captured amazing evidence, but you don't have to worry about bringing anything home with you. Um, there are these type of locations like the house of wills and there are other, other ones out there that it will follow you home. And I'm not the first person that's followed. Believe me, I, I'm, there, I'm not special in any sort in any type of way when it comes to the house of wills, having things follow people home. It's happened to multiple people over the years. Um, but I think one of the main things I would like to get out to people is to educate the younger investigators or the first timers um, really educate yourself um, and not just reading the you know, a book like the, the horrors of the house of wills, but really educate yourself on a, on a, on a property, uh, especially if it's got, you know, these darker intentions um, and, uh, and just be safe out there, guys, really be safe out there and, uh, and be smart about it. Right on, right on. The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case, is available for pre-order right now. We have a link in the description of this show. Uh, It is officially released on September 8th. It's available again by Llewellyn Press. Daryl Marston is the author of that book. Daryl, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. It's been our honor, my friend. Appreciate it. And I wish you much success uh, on the sale of the book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. 
I want to thank my guest, Daryl Marston, today for joining us on the program. We'll have all his links in the description of this program, including the link to the brand new book, The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case. Again, pre-orders are being taken for that book, which is available from Llewellyn Press. That link in the description of the program as well. Get it right now. I'm telling you, folks, you're going to love the book. Absolutely going to love the book. Some some very terrifying stories in this book, some some stories that will absolutely just chill you, some stories that will scare you in this book, some stories that will just, still when I think of them, they leave hairs up on the back of my neck. They're so chilling. So yeah, get, pick up this book, definitely. Yeah, pre-order. Make sure you pre-order so that you have it when it, when it releases on September 8th. Folks, I want to thank our sponsor for the week, Mint Mobile. I'm telling you, my phone bill was 180 bucks a month with big wireless. Cut that out. Stop doing that. Get your get your wallet a lot fatter by signing up for Mint Mobile right now. Just $15 a month right now for unlimited talk, text, and data. You can't beat it, folks. Mint Mobile, take advantage of it right now. Unlimited talk, text, and data. Just $15 a month. The way you do it. You just go to mintmobile.com slash darkness. Take advantage of that special right now. They will mail you a SIM card or you can take advantage of the eSIM option. Either way, you can use your own device and your contacts will transfer over as well. It's so simple, folks. I'm telling you. And it's just $15 a month right now. Take advantage of it. Mintmobile.com slash darkness. Do it today. Folks, when you patronize our sponsors... It also helps out our show and helps you to bring this show to you for free. And of course, we love bringing you the show for free. We love to continue to bring you the show for free. And we continue to bring you great guests as well by doing that. Please go out and at least take a look at our sponsors, see what they have to offer. We appreciate it if you would do that for us. Also, we want to ask you to go ahead and take care of yourself and each other. Look in on a neighbor this weekend uh, as Again, that hot streak doesn't want to seem to let up on it. It's got uh, it's got a chokehold on all of us right now as we trudge on through August and get into the later days of August. It doesn't want to let up. So please look out after an elderly neighbor or a neighbor that may be having some sort of a disability that may need you. Uh, just make sure they're staying cool, they're staying hydrated throughout this heat, and uh, that they're doing okay. Also want you to put out your prayers, your thoughts, and healing vibes for the, the people of Lahaina, the people of Maui. That, that uh, man, that fire that went through there was just absolutely something. Uh, spurred on by, by hurricane winds. There are disasters that happen all over the world. But I tell you, folks, it was something that the, I believe it was the police chief, or it was the fire chief, one or the other. I don't remember who it was who said it to NBC News. But he said, when it is man versus nature, nature always wins. And although at the time, in the middle of a disaster, you would think that's a little bit of a harsh comment to say, it's very true. Whenever it is man versus nature, nature always wins. And a lot of times we like to think as a human race that we, we have the technological know-how or we always have the answer or we, we tend to want to hold our leaders to a higher standard. Because we do have technology on our side, because we do know better, because we are so advanced. But it's true. When it comes to man versus nature, almost 99.9% .9 of the time, nature's going to win. It's an awesome force. We really are just fleas on the backs of 
Mother Nature. And eventually she's going to shake and we're going to fall off. Just remember that as you head into the weekend. I know it's a little bit of a gruesome thought, but the fact of the matter is, is we're fortunate to be on this planet. We're fortunate enough to be sustained on this planet. It's really an attitude of gratitude when you wake up in the morning. Just remember to be grateful for everything that you have around you. And we have so much around us. We really are in a planet of abundance. We have so much. So when you wake up in the morning this weekend, just remember you're surrounded by so much and love and abundance and great things on this planet. Just take a moment to be thankful for the things that you do have. It's, it's such a wonderful, wonderful existence. I'm grateful for you guys. So I'm going to say before I sign off here, thank you so much for continuing to listen to this product. Thank you so much for all the wonderful responses I get from you on email and social media and just the, the wonderful comments you have, even on, uh, on uh, reviews. Although there's a select few of you out there that don't like to give good reviews and I know what you're doing. Shame on you. Uh, but for the rest of you who give positive feedback and, and even who give constructive feedback, I, I love to hear the people who don't necessarily agree with some of the things on the program, but want some things to change. I love you people too. The fact of the matter is I love people who have skin in the game and want to hear some different things on the program that love the program. They're invested in the program. Those are the people I love to hear from as well. So thank you, folks. Thank you for sending in your story submissions. Thank you for sending in your Parashare story submissions. Thank you for sending in articles for Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals and sending in articles for, for uh, Supernatural News. It's, it's you guys who keep the show going and keep the energy going and keep Bruiser and I going. Uh, you really do make this show a passion for us. It's not necessarily... Uh, one of those things you do for the money, you do it because you're passionate. You do it because we've you've got a, a community of people around you who are just as passionate about the show as you are. And that's what makes it so fun. I mean, this show is fun. So I, I really do appreciate you guys. So thank you so much for making work fun because it's, it's really not work. I get up and I play all day. I don't really have a job. I mean, come on. So thank you so much, guys, for, for making this life so much fun. I thank you so much for that. Have a great weekend, guys. Go out there and have some fun yourselves. We'll be back next week with some great shows for you and great shows going out of August and into September. We're getting closer and closer to a certain paranormal celebrity being on the show and unveiling his brand new biography. Kind of excited about it. Not that I wasn't excited about our friend Daryl today, but and it, a very good book, by the way. And again, the book, uh, The Horrors of the House of Wills, a true story of a paranormal investigator's most terrifying case. But this celebrity, I think, is going to surprise you. I'll give you a little hint in the weeks to come. So there you go. And yes, I will be at Michigan Paracon, so come say hi. That'll do it. Thank you so much for Beer City Bruiser, for Mally Fox, for Jessica Freeberg. I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you for listening to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime. Anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.